nobody listen to this shit. Welcome to the Beyond Our Service podcast, where two veterans with wives and kids pretend to know what they're doing in life. We look at the good, bad, and ugly and lap our way through it all. So come join us as we go beyond our service. All right, guys, welcome to the Beyond Our Service podcast. Today is Sunday, February 21st. And on this episode, we're going to talk about camping essentials, what to have for camping or emergency situations. And then we're going to talk about some conversations we never thought we would have with another human, and then we had kids. So, how was your week? It was good, man. Um, it was cold, but I don't know if it was as cold as it was for you guys there in Texas. Yeah, uh, we had the coldest weather ever, uh, or I guess since like 1930s uh, recorded. We got down to negative two was the coldest official actual temperature, not including wind chills. So we had two days of wind chill below negative 15 and You're negative 20. You guys are in the Fort Worth area? Yeah, we're Fort Worth. Yeah. I'm in Fort Worth, but that was like the Dallas-Fort Worth. Like the, I think it's the um, DFW Airport is like the official <clears throat> temperature gauge thing so yeah man it was cold but uh and and you know I, I, there's some pretty awesome memes that have come out of it making fun of texans but it's the infrastructure is just not at all like houses aren't built for that negative 20 like that's just not so literally everything froze and power plants froze and water treatment centers froze and dude so much crap that's crazy how much snow stuck for you guys in some areas, we had a foot and a half, and then we had probably eight to ten inches at my house. Dude, that's, I'm like that is crazy. Ten minutes north of downtown Fort Worth. That's some wild accumulation for Texas. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't go anywhere either. Like it just, I mean, it was there for. Well, so yeah, we when it's cold. No. Yeah, that's the thing. Like normally, we if we get some, it's like sixty degrees the next day, or it's forty degrees the next day. I mean, it just doesn't stick. But this was one of those polar vortex biatches and it came through saturday night and then so valentine's day is kind of when it started and then we started getting snow and that was cool and fun and then it just didn't go anywhere yeah and then we got more snow wednesday but i mean the damage is done dude man. that's I how mean, i we that's how i grew up though like east coast massachusetts you'd get like snow and then it would just freeze and it would stay there for like a month <clears throat> see colorado man out here in denver it's perfect it snowed wednesday and i golfed yesterday yeah. like that's how it, it could it could accumulate you know three to six inches and like at elevation it's so dry there's no humidity and you're closer to the sun so it melts away so much quicker that two days later it was just like you're good yeah we had i mean that's normally how it goes but uh this time no and now we're dealing with um just uh, so I'm an insurance agent, like I've said before, so we're dealing with a crap load of uh, claims. They're saying the Texas Department of Insurance is saying that this is probably going to go down as the most expensive weather event uh, in Texas history that's, for insurance companies. That's so so many people are going to be shaking their heads, though, because like how preventable is that just through standards of building houses? I mean, it's not like it was a hurricane. It's not like it was a national or a natural no. disaster, so to speak in the traditional sense, but like 
I wonder if they're going to no, start that's the problem. changing things, yep. though, because they're going to be like, is it worth the investment to kind of cold weather proof a lot of these houses here? For the well, I th- so yeah, I think so because we're we're looking at building a house, and uh, when we start building, like that was already in my head. I always I already wanted they're going to spray insulate, uh, do spray spray foam insulation in the house anyway, which is nice. But and we've had that in Georgia, we loved it. But I wanted to do the garage. I was going to ask them like, hey, well, how much more would it be to just? I want to insulate the garage too because we work out in it, we use oh, it yeah. for other stuff, and and it gets so damn hot here that. You know, your garage can get like 115, 120 degrees inside there. And so it'll cook whatever you put in there. So that's normally the issue. And now it's like we've got a whole bunch of people that are like, maybe we should insulate our pipes better. And but again, I mean, it wasn't necessarily the, the newer houses, but anything that was built like early 2000s got rocked because everything was copper pipes. And a lot of them, like I talked to a guy today, well, his pump house, his filter, everything he had, he had it all certain insulation and then he had the this like electrical wiring tape that goes around all because the, the pump house is outside so right it goes around all the pipes all the stuff and then is so as long as you have power those heat up once it gets below freezing those turn on and, and keep the pipes warm and keep them from freezing so he's like man i thought i was good and then all the rolling blackouts so that is really what caused a lot of more problems is the yeah. houses couldn't even you had a week where or you had four or five days where it got down to negative, you know, wind chills, negative 20, but then your house couldn't be on. Like everything pulls, froze. I mean, everything like you're pulled, like everything outside, like you lost power. And yeah. that's what nobody was ready for was the power loss. So you go camping, right? With your kids. Have we, you been? We do. Yeah. In California, it was a lot more glamping, but. Yeah. I see, I don't, well, so describe glamping, but like, what are you, what were y'all doing? Well, it's like on the cliffside at the on the coast of the beach with running water bathrooms and like in the middle of the in the middle of the campsite there's like a general store with every I mean, you basically have a campsite, you have optional water hookups if you have a camper. We would do mm-hmm. te- we would do tent camping, but yeah, I mean, you you basically you're just right there, you're steps down from the beach and not like the highway of Southern California is like 200 feet behind you yeah okay so but you were you were still in the tent yeah we tent camp nice okay so I don't, I don't have a problem with glamping i don't think there's anything wrong with that especially if you have like wife and kids especially if you have young kids because dude there's i mean like it's if the you best want chance any, that your whole trip can happen start to finish exactly and if you want your kids to continue to like camping they you need to make it comfortable Correct. Really comfortable. Correct. So if they can go get a chocolate bar at a damn general store right in the middle of it. It's honestly awesome. just the bathroom. Like that was the clutch part about yes. it. And it yeah, because yeah. you had a, it's a bathroom. It's not a porta potty. It's a bathroom. You've got like a, an ability to shower if you want because mm-hmm. you're you're sitting there. You're basically at the beach all day. So at some point, even though you're going to a tent, like there's only so much of sand in every crevice of your body you can take. And then, you know, so that, that was definitely the biggest part of it. Um, but I've done a lot of camping, you know, not glamping at all. Up in Colorado? Yeah, some in Colorado. I did some in California. Um, and, I mean, I kind of like that. I like, like, the whatever you have on your back type stuff, camping. Yeah. Um, there's, there's something super fun about that. 
Yeah, like I, I, so that's one thing I think I'm going to do, and I might end up, I was trying to figure out how I want to do it, but something I've never done is solo backpacking, like in sleep overnight, maybe one or two nights. And so I think I'm going to do that pretty soon here because uh, the weather's getting to be, this is kind of our, the time to do it. Bro, you need um, to come to Colorado and do it with me. I know it wouldn't well, yeah, be, it would, I know it wouldn't be I mean, solo, but I mean, dude, there's no better place to come out and uh, get a four season single man tent and do some like hiking. Cause you can just hike all these peaks out here yeah. at your own pace. You know, it's a little sketchy. Yeah, no, it's a little to. sketchy with like, you know, bears and, and other wildlife, but. But see, yeah, and that doesn't bother me. It's just, I, and I'd love to do that. I just got to find time. I got to make time too. Cause yeah. if I come up there, then I've got to be gone. That's like a four day thing, five day deal. That's not a, you know, leave Saturday morning, come back Sunday evening. Right. Where I'm, you know, it's just easier in the family, but, but no, that needs to happen too. I just want to try like just staying overnight, camping, getting food, like cooking your own food, bringing your like a little stove pot, stuff like that. So I've been looking into this for probably the last couple years. Last year I was getting into it more. Um, just, uh, and then all of our parks shut down because of freaking COVID, but man, I'd already had a lot of equipment. So that's kind of what's going to, that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit next was this, man, we really benefited from me buying some of this crap for hunting or for, well, actually hunting too, hunting and camping yeah, and hiking because everything, there was a lot of crossover and that's kind of what I started learning. I've never been a huge prepper like the apocalypse prepper guy. Mm -hmm. But I also think that I want to define, like, I think that just because you're a prepper and you're being prepared for certain things, it doesn't necessarily mean like you are planning on a, on a zombie apocalypse because a lot of preppers that I've watched on YouTube. So there's a YouTube channel called warrior poet society. He does a great job of explaining a lot of stuff he does very good. They're good videos, but it's also like very common sense, very rational prepping, whether it's food, generators, whatever. And he lives in Georgia and he's like, look, I'm prepping. He's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, some of this. Sure. Is it going to apply? Like if we had a big, if all the power went out and there was a big, like a pop apocalyptic, like nuclear fallout, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, maybe. But more realistic is a lot of this is going to apply. Like if we have a hurricane and we don't have power to our house for, for a week. Right. And I've got uh, two kids and a wife. It's like, so having food that you can easily cook, having a generator, having certain things makes sense. And so what I started doing was the more I learned about it, I started buying, you know, water filters, <laughs> things you're going to need for camping and hiking. But there's a lot of things you can buy that make sense. It's easier to rationalize spending the money on those kind of things because you can use them camping and hiking, not just oh, this is, you know, this is something I'm going to buy. I'm going to spend 300 bucks on this thing yeah, or food or whatever the hell it is. And it's going to sit in your garage and you, you're just not going to touch it forever. Mm -hmm. um, water filters was a big one for us because when we couldn't do, so we had water and then when they turned the water back on, we're still under a boil warning. So we could do the boiling water, but then we also, man, if we didn't have power, we wouldn't have been able to boil water. So then I started thinking, man, I, you know, I bought a drip system, like a, a freaking drip filtration system. Do you know what those are? Hmm. That's exactly what it sounds like. So essentially like if you have a water filter that can filter water, you buy, you buy like 
really anything that can hold water above it and you use gravity, it's a gravity filtration. So if you're camping, they're, they're nice. They're not really for backpacking because usually if you're by yourself or a couple of people, there's no point in having five gallons of water. But if you're camping with your kids or your family, you can have like a, you can set up where you'd go to the lake or the river, maybe fill up a gallon or two gallon bags. And then you just hang them up, up in a tree or on a branch and then let the water, the gravity is going to push the water down into a filter, which will then drip into another bag or another, you know, bottle of water. So that way, like you walk, it's a slow process, but when you wake up, you know, you've got three, four gallons of water or two gallons of water, whatever it is, that's clean, ready to drink. And your, your kids can, you know, y'all can do that. And if you have to, especially when you're in a group, you're going to need a lot more than just like, you know, 32 ounces of clean water. Yeah. The filters, like you got to have it for solo camping because you can't, you can't add weight of water to your pack. If you're going to hike right. and do that kind of stuff. Um, I had looked at like a couple, like what I would do. Um, they have like blue can emergency water. It's literally canned water, but it has like a 50, mm. it has a 50 year shelf life. So like a 24 pack of that's like 35 bucks, which is a, a lot for a 24 pack of water, but it's also the ability to like throw it in your garage and literally forget about it. And yeah. like, so those kind of things, like I definitely, and have probably looked at stocking up on even more so than even the jugs themselves. Like they have really big, like reservoir, like plastic water jugs that you can have for a long time. But, uh, you have to tab those after a while. Like you have to put, you know, certain tabs in there to make sure that they actually yeah, yeah. are good like to drink. Or and, some yeah. Kind of like, and then uh, purification tablets, depending on where you're storing it at, if there's any sunlight that hits it, like that's, that's just constantly heating and cooling it down. Like, I don't know. It's just a little sketch for me, but yeah, this, this canned water, that's kind of stuff that I would put in my house for sure as a practical, practical use. But for camping, yeah, I agree. Like the, the filter systems like that. And that's why I don't mind glamping with the kids. Because again, like you said, going to the bathroom and water supplies, if you have those two things, like you can make camping pretty comfortable if that's, if you don't right. have to worry about those two things. Well, food and water, right? So if you have food and water, that's, that's a big, that helps. So what do you, with the kids? so like I have a, you know, just talking about people losing power and things in Texas, like the, the Coleman, like camping stoves with mm-hmm. those little um, propane canisters. I've got like, I always have like six to eight full canisters of those at my house, which I, how big of a cooktop do you have? Like, it's like, it's like a double, like a, like a double burner. Okay. Yeah. So it's probably, I don't know. It's probably two feet. It's just, it's just two burners. You could fit a griddle. You could fit two pots on there. You could fit, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But I always have like six to eight full propane tanks for camping because when I want to go camping, I like to be able to like be spontaneous. I don't want to have to go to the store. Usually when I use things, when I go camping, I replenish it immediately. So that way, next time I want to go, I just have that stuff. But if you like the, the opportunity to use that in a situation where you don't have power, maybe your gas is out. I have gas, you know, stoves. If our gas is out, like how are you going to cook? Like being able to multipurpose that, like that's a no brainer. Oh yeah. So like, like any dehydrated food, is a big deal. Um, like, our, man, our food, like our grocery stores got destroyed for what? I don't know why. Cause, <laughs> because it's it like COVID too, man. One, like four days. Yeah, it's just like COVID. People just go crazy. Dude, our entire, like our, our whole grocery store is totally empty. 
completely empty, like no meat, no nothing. And it's like, you, we're going to get like it. So today, right now, I'll look it up. We, it is 3.15 in the afternoon. It is 72 degrees today. <laughs> That's amazing. Right? So we were at negative two five days ago. Five well, days ago, we were negative two. Now we're at 72. So there is no snow, and it's sunny. There's no snow. There's no nothing. Everything's almost completely dry now. Like, trucks are going to be able to get in. We're going to get your grocery store. You're going to get your food. Like, you're going to get everything. It's not like this winter blizzard like we are in the north, and then you get stuck, and then now you're stuck with this weather for two you know, two weeks. Right. But um, having the camping food definitely – uh, so camping food, I didn't have, I don't have any, I didn't have any food and we don't have a cook stove yet. Cause what we normally do with the kids, we've always done car camping, which for people, if you don't know what car camping is, it's essentially just going to like a camp. Like we go to like the lake and we just, the car's right there. So we can pack. We're not camping where we're not carrying all of our stuff out into the woods. Any distance, our car is like 50 feet away. So we can carry and we can pack. 15 times more crap than we actually need because it's just sitting in the back of the truck. So tons of water, tons of everything, clothes, extra. I mean, it looks like we're staying, we're going to be gone for like two weeks and we're gone for a night. Um, so I've never gotten food because normally we just bring real food mm -hmm. and we would just cook like hot dogs, hamburgers, like cook out and do all that. Yep. Not like any of the dehydrated stuff we never had. So I have ordered that. Um, and you I don't ordered dehydrate. You, you ordered dehydrated food. Yeah, I did like the mountain house, like whatever, like yeah. hiking pouches. I, I looked at like big family packs of that. I want to have I like I want to have like a decent pack of like a decent stock of food where like a, I, at least a week of food and water can be sustained like outright. My buddy, uh, he said that he has some like big, it's like a five gallon bucket. that's supposed to be like 30 days of food inside of it for yeah. a family so yeah he wants to get like two more of those he was reading somewhere he told me yesterday and i don't i don't know where this is from but he's like the magic number supposedly is 45 days and so after 40 like if you had an apocalypse like this would have to be apocalyptic whatever <laughs> 45 days no power no water no nothing 45 days is how long it would take for like half most of your population to either die or go crazy be killed and try to steal your food and stuff i was like all right well 45 days doesn't seem like that Honestly, that seems a little too long. I feel like people lose their minds if you don't have clean water and food after like day two. <laughs> what would happen if the internet went out? Like if the internet went out and people <laughs> couldn't use social media and all the TVs and networks shut down, like I think it would take about 36 hours for people to start killing. <laughs> people would be probably instantly happier. We would probably... <laughs> antidepressant I, medication would go out of business some, dude, oh, some people would i like doing this podcast well some people would be their lives would be better and would be happier but i think there's a large majority of people who would not i mean you have to think about this if the True. internet if the internet went out how are you going to access your money how are you going to access anything that has been tied to you of worth like you'd have to go to the actual bank how are they gonna? How are they, they gonna pull up? How are they gonna pull up your account? What if? What if? Oh, yeah. In a in a nuclear yeah, fallout, know. in a nuclear fallout, or in some like apocalyptic scenario, 
You think the banks are still going to be sitting there with tellers being no. able to pull up your information? Oh, God, no. But then what does your money matter? Like, why would your money matter anyway? It would it's still, all going to be about like it would still matter. food. It would still matter. It would just be crazy, dude. I think if that happened, it would take like two to three days for people to just just yeah. go just go on their own. <clears throat> I think 72 hours would be with no food and no clean water. Then people, because that's, I mean, you get, it gets to the point where you can't go 72 hours without water. Right. Or you can die, right? So if you have little kids and you're not going to sit there and watch them de- like die of dehydration. And if you know your neighbor has water, I mean, what do you do? Like you, you, you kill them, yeah, you, <laughs> and you steal all them. their water. But obviously, then, like I, if I have a bunch of water, I can't give you my neighbor all my water either. I've got no. kids, I got a family, so then you yeah. start getting this weird. You got to get communities that can help work with each other, but then things get things can get really hairy really fast. Uh, all right, what when are, it comes to life or death? What are your must-haves when you go camping, man? All right, so for mine, I, what I would say: water filters, water filtration, and or purification. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I had that really paid off was battery packs. So I've got an anchor power core that has 20,000 amp hours in it. So it just looks like a little, it looks like a little hard drive from back in the day, which most people aren't even going to know what that is. But, uh, that really helps because then your phones get charged, your flashlights. I've got a bunch of O lights. I love those. Um, uh, but, uh, you can replace battery in them the battery in them if you need to, or just recharge them if you have electricity. Uh, so those helped a ton. First aid kits helped a ton. I've got a tourniquet, the Sawyer squeeze, which is a water filter, um, five fifty cord knives, you know, the Leatherman stuff, like all that plenty of power cords for all the different kinds of way to connect stuff. Uh, I've got thermal blankets. That's for your, that's for like kid camping. Yeah. That's like for everything. For a big this one. is what that's I, all your this stuff? is on a back. This is a bag that I take everywhere I go. Almost. I had a I had a generator when I would go, like a super quiet one, mm-hmm. that was money to plug in stuff and and do for the camping with the kids because I could hook up like a projector and plug my phone into it and play yeah. it on the side of a tent, like it was yeah. it was awesome. That's that's genius. Um, so the little thermal blankets that we don't use those obviously to just camp, but they were that was something that really. Because if you got stuck on the road too, having those with us was was nice. Just to think that you know that you have the kids, and then rats tourniquets. Not that you shouldn't need it, but if you do have something where you know the power and stuff is out and you can't get through, and man, our like what was weird too is our phone service, the cell phone service started going out everywhere. Like lots of people started having problems with that, and when you don't have a landline, like that kind of starts getting a little weird because then you're like, well, how the hell am I going to call nine one one if anything really were to happen? Um, so that makes you think about stuff too. So I don't know if you've ever seen a rat's tourniquet. Have you ever seen them Mm-mm. or heard about them? Nope. So they, they are, they were made by a green beret dude. He, he did it. And now they're, they're a lot different. They're different than the ones we had like back in the army or the, or the Marine Corps. Y'all probably didn't even have them. Did you? The Marines are probably like, nah, we can't afford it. No tourniquets for us. Oh, I know what these are. Yeah. My, my team leader in Iraq, um, had this same one. Yeah. They're super easy to use on yourself. Yeah, and because of the way they are, because there's no like set strap like the old ones, <clears throat> those can be used on kids. Right. So it's you can use it on your child or you can use it on you. So that's why I have those if we're camping and stuff and somebody needs that because you're kind of SOL if a kid with the, with the old way that tourniquets worked, 
you know, obviously if you're a grown adult, especially with the stupid plastic on there, you'd end up breaking literally like the brackets on the plastic that like you strapped through before you could get it tight enough around a kid's leg. No. Yeah. The kid's legs, legs and arms are too small. Like you can't get it down tight enough. And then when you, so you're twisting, there's no way you're going to twist it to actually cut off any kind of blood circulation. So the rash tourniquets are huge. Like I love those um, for the kids. So that's kind of what I have and what I take camping with me all the time. Most of it we don't ever use other than the first aid for like little cuts and scrapes and stuff. But uh, then obviously tents, sleeping bags, lightweight bags, carry everything, waterproof bags. Um, that stuff always helps like having a backpack, being able to put all this stuff together, knowing where it is, throwing it in my car. Like when I did that to take the nurse's, you know, one of them was an hour and a half away from her office or from the hospital. So being able to just grab a bag and throw that in the Jeep just in case something weird happens or whatever. Well, yeah, cool, car, you know, car camping's nice in that way. That that was like, if there's two things that I made sure that I planned for was water, if it was going to rain, and then cold. Because yeah. those like, again, anything that could like ruin the trip. Like if your kids get wet and they don't have enough dry clothes, or you don't have waterproofing bags if it rains. And then also if it, get, if it gets cold at night, even on the coast yeah. in the summer, like that breeze can be cold. And so if you, if you can't adequately keep them warm, like your trip's going to be shot. It's so miserable. Like I did, dude, I did ranger school in the winter. And that's, you know, when you're in the mountains and in, in, at the Appalachian Mountains and basically off the Appalachian Trail and doing all that and getting you're soaked to the bone one day. And then the next day, the next night, the bottom fell out and dropped down to like 20 degrees. That shit sucks. Like, I'm done yeah. with it. Like, I don't want to rough it that hard anymore. No. I'm, I'm cool with it. You definitely can't force your kids. And kids are like oddly resilient. Like, they're tougher than you think. Oh, yeah. They're tougher than you think. But they're, yeah, that stuff is just miserable. Cold or cold and wet, like... Kids are really resilient, but they also have um, a really good memory of when it really sucks. So that when it really sucks, they just stop wanting to do that kind of crap again. They're like, I'm done. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I do I do yeah, think that point. like after this happened, though, it definitely gave me um, more... I definitely have a list of things I want now, things I want to get. So... It kind of made me think like there's a lot of different stuff, but want a cooktop and gas pods because I don't have any of those. It's something I was going to get anyway. That's easy. Um, being able to boil water, cook dry food, blah, blah, blah. That'd be nice. Uh, drip system, water filtration. I already, so I have the water filters, but I don't have a, the system to do like a big couple gallons. So I already bought that. That's on its way because mm-hmm. that stuff's pretty cheap. Uh, generator. I don't have a gen- we didn't our power didn't go out but we don't have a generator and now the people that did have a generator there's a there's a level of preparation there that I feel like is necessary but then like like you said that's pretty amazing cuz I've looked at these have you ever looked at the goal zero stuff no I I I have looked broad strokes because we're moving to California soon and they have rolling blackouts in the summer because of the heat and because of the power issues there and so in my head, I thought, you know, I'd rather invest five, five G's in a generator. Yeah. So when the power does go out, you can still at least have, you know, not cook from the inside of your house. And, you know, I, it's, it's crazy that they can just literally have these rolling blackouts where they just turn your power off. Like it's absolutely mind blowing. And yeah, so I don't sense. ever want to 
for nothing more than being comfortable, I don't, I, I'm thinking about getting a generator so I don't ever have to deal with that. So but one of those that are like built into your, your system so that when the power does go out, that automatically switches on. And then you can, you can basically, because there's a capacity, there's a certain wattage capacity mm -hmm. to a generator. So you can pick like, okay, I want my one or two fridges to stay on the microwave and then like power to the HVAC system. And like, yeah. that's it. You know what I mean? Well, I think the fridge thing is huge. That's a that's been a big issue too with losses on insurance claims is food spoilage, mm -hmm. and you know, especially if it's in the summer, because then like for a little bit you could just throw stuff outside because it's so damn cold. But now, like in the summer for you, that would suck because that's just gonna cook everything. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Um, so that one, the Gold Zero stuff is really fascinating because then all of that is electric. They're just giant lithium batteries. And then you can, they have solar panels that you can wire to them and you can put outside. So then you're not worrying about gas the whole freaking time because those things are not the most fuel efficient little bastards on the planet. So that's something that I really like the idea of. I've, I've looked at them in the past and then they have some small ones that would make more sense, but they have some massive ones now. And now they have like battery tanks so you can continue to charge it when you're not using it and you don't need it, obviously, for like emergency situations like this. When your power grid goes down, uh, I haven't ever looked into them, so I don't know if if I did get the diesel and gas. I, the only thing I remember, and I've talked to some friends who do have them, is how like how much gas you would actually have to have. You would have to have a if and not like well, the rolling blackout would be different if you had like like if your power went out for a week. Man, that's a lot of gallons of gas or diesel or something, and I don't know where the hell you're gonna store all that. Well, it's it's not like a fix of if. <laughs> if like power is no longer available it's like when it temporarily goes out there's like natural right. gas generators too which i know that like my aunt you has a natural gas generator that powers her whole house she lives in michigan so that when the snowstorms come and there are utility issues where you know people aren't going to get out for a couple of days as soon as that power goes out that natural natural gas generator just kicks in yeah and it's nice. like it's like they've never lost it and i mean that is way more efficient obviously than yeah fueling a you know gasoline generator but um, yeah, that makes way more sense because when the power went out here like you couldn't get gas all the gas stations were i mean there's no way to pump it they can't do anything with them right so like when the power like that was when i was driving around and helping people that was a problem too because i started running out of gas and i had to I, it took me forever to find a freaking gas station that was for whatever reason was on and not off um and I think the last thing I have on here with stuff on there is is more solar panels. So I did buy like a really a goal zero small solar panel deal um, and, and just for camping, mainly something you could throw on top of your car, something just to continue to charge your battery for your phones and flashlights and stuff that just, again, to make things more. I mean, your phone when you're out camping, I guess, is a little more. There's also some safety stuff there, too, especially with kids. So you can call 911 or you can call paramedic or something if you really something really bad were to happen. Somebody broke a leg or something. But and for some reason you're it's just gonna be too far to or too long to get back to a hospital. Um heat stroke. Oh, I had a kid that passed that died of a heat stroke. Damn. Yeah. We knew uh, we knew of them. He was working out here in the summer and he wasn't like a friend a close friend of the families, but he was through people we knew. And he was like 19. 
Wow. But just, and that's, they were just so far out in the middle of nowhere that they, I mean, ambulance just, the ambulance basically when they called were like, just start driving our way. We're driving your way. Right. Because it was yeah. so far from a hospital. And so that's just something that, that was crazy. Cause it's like, man, if you're out, if you do some of these state parks are kind of in the middle of nowhere and they're not next to a major hospital, that's for sure. So, uh, so with this, uh, we were trying to explain all this stuff to our kids too, man, especially like the toilet stuff. And it kind of got me thinking while we were talking about it is like weird conversations that we've had that I've had to have like very serious conversations that I've had to have with my children that I never really thought I would have, um, <laughs> with another human ever. So I kind of started thinking about it. So I feel like that's kind of something I wanted to get into was what are some weird conversations you thought you'd never have with another human um, until you had kids? Uh, I think maybe the first one that comes to mind for me would be teaching my five-year-old, my oldest daughter, when she was five, um, what different makeup looks like. I didn't think that would be a role that I had to play, but I was with the girls um, and I think my youngest was maybe two and a half, three years old. And I just hear this death scream from downstairs. I was downstairs watching TV. The kids were playing upstairs and I hear this scream and you know how you can gauge the screams of kids. Oh yeah. This was not a, okay, like let them figure it out type of scream. This was like a, something's really wrong. So I ran upstairs, I go into the bathroom and it's basically my oldest daughter is like kind of crying. She's holding clear coat nail polish in her hand. She's got the bottle in one hand. She's got the brush in the other hand. And Brooklyn's eyes are closed. And she's like kind of like holding her eyes. Oh and I was God. like, I was like, oh, no. And I said, Taylor, what did you do? And she said, I just put mommy's eye makeup on Brooklyn. And I was like, no, <laughs> Brooklyn was like maybe three years old. She's like, it burns. She's like screaming. Oh like God. Taylor's crying at this point because she realizes <laughs> like I made a huge mistake and I'm sitting here like, how do I even get this off? So I get like a warm washcloth and I'm so like, it's on her, where was gently, it? Where was it on her? Like her, uh, so they thought it was like eyeshadow, right? So when you close your eyes, I'm like, yeah, yeah. On like the on eyelids. eyelids. Oh my eyelids. God. So it's there, right? But yeah. she's like crying because obviously it's seeped in. Oh. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to soak a washcloth with acetone and stick it in my daughter's eye right now to get this off. So I just get like a warm washcloth and I start rubbing. Like, luckily it comes off. It's not, luckily nail polish is not meant for human skin. So it comes off fairly right. easily. But I then had to do a, a crash course on makeup right there. Um, which I never anticipated <laughs> having to do. And even after the fact, I walked away and I was like, why didn't I just tell her you're never using any of this? So it doesn't matter what it is. Don't ever touch it. Just don't like touch I it. went through the problems of being like, I went through the trouble of saying like, this is lipstick. This is for the lips. Oh, really? This so you is... just went into a whole class? Yeah, so I'm an idiot yeah. because that's why they continue to be infatuated with makeup. But yeah, instead of just saying like, don't ever come in here and touch this again or I will destroy you. Um, Hashtag girl but... dad. Once I realized like it was fine, Brooklyn was fine. Then you start to feel bad because Taylor, like, because then your other child feels terrible for doing something they had no idea was going to be. Oh, I know. Bad. So then you're like, and I'm not mad at any of it. I'm just like freaking out. And then I feel terrible because Taylor feels terrible. And I'm like, look, she's fine. 
these are the different makeups and uh don't touch them that again. was the first the first stupid conversation i never thought i'd have to have nice yeah that's good uh i think mine one of the, my first ones that that come to mind was with my oldest uh my daughter and uh she was again she's probably like at this time i think she was maybe four four and a half maybe between four and five and we had a very serious conversation at a sit her down she had her first stomach virus ever and so you know it's it's like a stomach flu like it like you're gonna have to throw up some or whatever well she had diarrhea and man if we had to sit her down have a very serious conversation <laughs> on the proper <laughs> etiquette of like when to trust a fart and she had no i mean she, when i remember i still remember i was like baby you, you can't sometimes you so she farted or thought she farted she had to fart and she pooped herself a little bit so we had to clean the whole thing up and then all that and we had to like okay no so then i'm like oh my god you i like you just hit me i'm like she has no idea when to win and when not to yeah. trust a fart like it's just yeah. not a thing yet, all of a sudden know? there's just the fire down under right. and you're like what the heck so i'm gonna let this loose <laughs> and then yeah it's wet and like whoa what the heck just happened yeah so i was like baby you can't trust those farts she's like what and i was like yeah so when you're st sick like this no farting like you just right. don't let it go you got to hold it or if you're going to you got to go to the bathroom because it's all the same right now and she just i mean you gotta fart on the toilet and i walked away and i just thinking like ah, that's just that's just, that's a conversation i never thought i'd have you know the first time that happened uh to taylor i was gonna like i actually took brooklyn uh to see a friend i was visiting my parents in chicago we went to visit a friend in indianapolis and i had to leave taylor because of that it was the first time it happened to her and she was just in tears. She was devastated <laughs> because what had happened, it was like, it was like nothing, like th there was no warning. Like that is one thing as parents, like you don't prepare your kids for some things. Right. Cause you don't like, ever... you just address it after it happens. And so that one is like one of those things where they're like, where were you on that? It reminds me of like <laughs> Billy Madison with his caddy where they're like, where were you on that one? Dipshit. <laughs> like you're farting all over the place. You fart on me all the time, yeah. and then all of a sudden you fail to mention that not all farts are trustable. Like, come on, bro. Yeah, no, yeah, I definitely was like, man, I never, I didn't plan on that one. Uh, that's definitely not one of the, like in the parenting books either. They don't ever. There's no like book that says like <laughs> no. at age so and so you need to make sure you tell them when to no. trust a fart. We put them in diapers and tell them to poop anywhere at any time. Yeah. Oh. And then all of a sudden, like that happens, and they're like, whoa. The rules Look, have changed here. Thanks, asshole. Yeah. Uh, so I had another one with Steven. He was probably around the same age, maybe a little bit younger. He's probably about three and a half, four. So we normally are very, we, we call body parts what body parts are. We've always been anatomically correct, right? So it's a penis or a vagina or whatever. So uh, we don't go into the weird names and stuff. So I that's part of the reason why this happened. But I was watching him and making sure he would bathe because we were trying to get him to the point where he could like wash himself on his own without me having to do it. And so he's a boy, so he's pretty lazy about it all. And cause he just doesn't care. So he's sitting in the toilet or in the, he's standing in the bathtub and I looked at him and I was like, all right, dude, like put the soap on your hands, do all that. And I was like, now wash your body, but make sure you wash your balls and your butt really good. Like your butt crack and your butt and all that area, but make sure, and then make sure you get your balls and stuff too. So you got to make sure those are clean. And he just looked at me with like the weirdest like pause <laughs> <laughs> he was like he finally just looked at me he goes 
what are my balls? And I think Renee had used like testicles or something. I have no idea, but she didn't use balls. And so he just like, he just looked at me and I'm like, I had to, I was like, okay, look down, see your penis. Okay. Under that, like go. Yep. Okay. Those, those are your balls. And again, it was just one of those moments where I'm like, I never thought I'd have to explain to a human where his balls were, but. So I I was at work. I was at work one day. That's amazing. By the way, I was at work one day and Eve called me and she was like crying laughing and i was like what i was like that's so funny and like she this is like the hyperventilating where she calls picks up and like is not prepared to speak words because she's still laughing so hard and then finally got it out and she said yeah uh i look outside and i just see uh my daughter pooping in the yard and she came right back in and she basically uh, just I, I walked outside and I was like, uh, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I had to go to the bathroom. So I went and she just pooped right in the yard. Oh, and my so, God. <laughs> yeah. And this was not like there was no stomach bug in like a stomach bug involved. This was just like yeah, yeah, this was an emergency. What? Yeah. I don't feel like walking inside right now. So this is where it's going to go. And uh, she's at this time four, going on five, very well understanding and able to hold it and go to the proper place to go to the bathroom and just decided that she was going to pop a squat in the backyard and poop with the dogs. And so, uh, I don't, I don't think my wife was prepared to tell her (laughs) to have the conversation after potty training that you still have to use the bathroom, whether you like it or not, when you have to go. Yeah. And then you guys are going to go camping at some point. Then she, then you'd be like, no, you have to go poop outside. She's like, okay, hold on. You guys, yeah. <laughs> you told me not to do that, and now you're saying I have to do that again. Like, come on. Right. Uh, yeah, that reminds So I had another one with Steven, um, my son, and he – I feel like I'm going to have a lot of these conversations with him, just awkward conversations, but um, as he gets older. But we had uh, – he was really young at this point, and he had kind of recently figured out that you can pee outside, which is definitely one of the – it's it's probably top five things about being a dude is that you can just kind of pee anywhere you want at all times. As a kid, I knew it when it happened. This is why being a guy is better. Oh yeah, God. There's so many other things, but that is definitely like. But I mean, in my in my five. youthfulness, sure. that was when I realized like you can't go out here, but I can. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I am superior. I win. I win. <laughs> so he was sitting there. I'm, my back is turned. We're, we're just out drinking, like having some beers with our neighbors. And they had little kids. And so everybody's kind of running around. And behind me, my daughter is very, like, she's very pragmatic, like very just to the point. Always has been. And again, we use the anatomically correct words, right? So all I hear is a bunch of like giggling. Most of the kids on our street are girls. There was no little boys at this time. And I hear, my, I hear Lily, my daughter, go, yeah, that's his penis. <laughs> and I just immediately kind of froze. And then I turned around slowly to look at, like, what the hell is going on behind me? And Steven is in my neighbor's yard facing all of us with his pants down to his ankles <laughs> like a little boy does. The best part is he's not even holding his wiener. His hands are on his hips. He's just relaxed. <laughs> Just taking a piss right at us, like pointing at us, just peeing all over the floor. Uh, and I looked at him. I'm like, dude, you could at least hide. Well, first off, I go, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm peeing. 
you should have said, son, don't ever lose that confidence. Yeah, I don't think he's going to lose it. I don't think there's anything I could do to prevent him from losing it. That sucker's the most confident human I've ever been uh, But he, like that, I was like, dude, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm peeing. Like, I'm the idiot. And then I'm like, you could at least hide. And he goes, why? I was like, so then we had to, I had to have a conversation on why you don't pee at people and face just random strangers and take a piss just whenever. So the hardest was, part, yes. the hardest part on that is that like once you once you make a deal of it, like how do you have the conversation without making a bigger deal out of it to where they become infatuated with it then? Like because you just told him he can't do it, he's going to be infatuated with why? Why? Why is it bad? Or doing it or doing it yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, how do you spin this conversation without basically telling him that like that right there should not be seen by other people? He was so young too, like it. We, we, and we had, we had to have those conversations, but it's like now we just back, back then, I that's when I started realizing that's why every once in a while, like my, you and your parents, when we were kids, like your parents go, because I said so. That's why, because there's like way too much complexity and the real yeah. reason. And I really don't, I'm too, I just, I'm not getting into it with a three and a half year old or four year old. So I'm like, he was probably three. And I'm like, nah, dude, just because I said so. That's easy enough. Yeah, dude, that's that's you. Just shut that's up. young enough at that point where you're like, yeah, just don't do it again. Go find a bush. He's like, okay. He still thinks. I mean, you could just his body language is like, well, that's stupid, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> idiot, idiot. Um, so I had one with uh, my daughter. Uh, <laughs> we, so she, I never thought I would have to like. If, like it was something I had to explain and it was very difficult. So I was trying to teach Lily what an echo was. And I was laying down with her at night and her room had like a little echo. And I was like, Oh, your, your room has a little echo. And the first part of that was just so it was like trying to, she's like, what's an echo once she figured out what was going on. And it was just so it was so difficult to try and explain to her like what an actual echo was, and we really couldn't. It wasn't like it was super like in a cave or something where you like that's an echo because you could hear the full thing come back. It was just a little bit of an echo, right. um, so that was just really difficult and just one of the things that I thought about. Uh, the side note to that story is the first thing that Renee Lily thought I said was gecko, and she <laughs> lost her ever loving mind because she thought I looked up at the wall and saw a gecko and a gecko was climbing around in her room and she lost it for like three full minutes. And then when I realized what was going on, I we calmed her down. I calmed her down and was like, no, no, no. I said echo. Well, then she's like, well, what the hell's an echo? And then it was really difficult trying to explain that. Yeah. I, I'm with her. I would not be happy if I thought there was a gecko crawling around, but. Oh yeah. She lost it. She got like, her eyes got real big and I'm like, what the hell just, I mean, in that moment when what is going on, um, and then there was a time where we had uh, Renee, actually, this wasn't me. I wasn't there. She had to explain to my son why you shouldn't rub a mannequin's leg, <laughs> especially in public. What? Yeah, she was at Old Navy, and he was pretty, he was pretty a lot younger than he is now. And he's, again, he's probably like four, maybe again, five. Again, the answer is, son, don't ever lose this confidence. Oh, dude, he, he <laughs> I guess the mannequin looked really good. He had all the clo- she had all the clothes on. I think she had a dress on or something. And he just walks uh, up and just starts like caressing her leg and is like looking at her. 
And Renee like started walking off and then looked around. I was like, there's no Steven with him with her. So then she turns around and he's just sitting there staring at the mannequin, petting her leg. And she's like, son, you can't stop petting the mannequin. <laughs> he's like, why? He's <laughs> like, God dang it. Just leave it alone. That's unbelievable. Good for him. Yeah. That is a yeah, that is just a a blue blooded American young man right there. Oh yeah. Don't you all that is temper that. Sure. Oh, I don't. No. No, that's that's super funny though. Yeah, I like oddly remember I oddly remember being like very conflicted with mannequins as a kid. <laughs> like just having like equal intrigue with like very hesitant like a hesitancy, like just like what's going on here? Like it's it's weird, but I don't hate it. And I'm kind of attracted to you. <laughs> I also know logically that you're fake. I'm fairly sure this was when I had like a leash. I had I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I had a a wrist leash when we went to the mall. There was at least a time where I was put on a leash in public. I was one thousand percent a leash child. Yeah, because I would just take off running. And nowadays, it's like they try to have these cute little like backpacks. Like I, I oh, bought yeah, the girls' yeah. ones backpacks where it's like a monkey, and the tail was like the fluffy mm-hmm. little leash that I would hold. There was this was blatant Velcro to <laughs> a like it was it was less aesthetically pleasing than dog leashes at that time, and they just wrap them yeah. around kids. Like that was just the way it was. Yeah, there was no like you weren't gonna church it up at all. No, there was no way you were <laughs> no. making that look cool. They just they like. Uh, you want to put it around your kid's neck or is or their his wrist? Yeah. Uh, we don't really care. Just just wrap it around a few hundred times and he's not getting away. So all right, so what do we got next? All right, so what we've got next is I've got Brian on here who is a friend of mine, and Schick is actually no longer on the call. He ended up having to skedaddle pretty quickly because he is still in school and so he had like a group project thing and I don't know I guess some of the kids that he's on a group with they ended up having to like do all their stuff together so he's out so I've got Brian on and what I'm gonna have Brian talk about is um honestly I don't even know what what it's called so it's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons but it's a different type of game I guess so this is, I'm going to have him on. We're going to interview, talk to him really quickly about it. And then uh, just to kind of set it up for a later episode, hopefully next week or the week after. So let me, Brian, can you hear me? Yep. Oh, yay. Long time listener, first time caller. I bet. I bet. So uh, let me... So tell me a little bit about yourself and what the hell we're going to be doing. Uh, I don't know what you want me to tell me about myself that you just didn't already go through, but I'm Brian. I'm Steven's friend. Uh, we're going to do the tabletop RPG. So the most uh, famous of it would be Dungeons & Dragons. That's what everybody kind of knows. Uh, what we are doing is a game called Pathfinder. Uh, it's really similar to Dungeons and Dragons. It's just a slightly different system that uh, the friends and I that I play with like a little bit better than Dungeons and Dragons. Why do y'all like it better um, than Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, I don't know. I've never actually played Dungeons and Dragons, but the guy that runs the games um, has, and he just likes the Pathfinder system better. I think there's some difference on how combat 
some of the rules for combat go and how you're like the downstate if your guy loses his health. Uh, some stuff like that. There's just some small differences that he thinks the game just plays a little bit better, and he prefers that. And since he runs the game, we uh, do what he wants to do. Okay, so explain to me, because like literally everything you just said about the game makes no sense, or I don't know about. <laughs> so what do you mean by he runs the game? Okay, let me. I'll just do kind of some broad stroke introduction of these types of games. Yeah, for the love of God. Please help us, because there's not, like, I don't know anything that you're talking about. So it's, like, Dungeons and Dragons, these tabletop RPGs are kind of the forerunners of modern RPG video games, like, you know, maybe Final Fantasy or Baldur's Gate, uh, stuff like that, where instead of having a computer be the enemies and the townsfolk you talk to and all that stuff, you have a person. Uh, called the Dungeon Master. So there's going to be Jesus. a party of probably, yeah, DM for short. That's what I'll refer to him from now on because even I feel kind of nerdy calling someone Dungeon Master, so I'm just going to go with the abbreviated DM. Yeah, DM uh, is way cooler. It is, it is. So there's usually a party of like four. Uh, we play with five. Um, and you all create characters. Um, there's... Oh, I don't even know. Maybe ten or so different types of characters. You can be like a fighter. It's kind of like a knight. He's a bigger guy, going to be in heavier armor, uh, and do kind of be a tank where he take, he gives a fair amount of damage, and his his role is kind of soak damage from the enemies. So, like the like a wizard who doesn't have nearly as much health or really any armor doesn't get hit as much. And you kind of want to have. A bunch of different roles so there's like druids wizards sorcerers fighters clerics they all do different stuff um so like a cleric is probably going to be able to heal um and use some magic sorcerers obviously use magic a uh, rogue is going to be a sneakier guy that uh can like sneak around and scout and pickpocket uh and then like fighter is going to be your big your big kind of bully uh that that sets the pace of the fight and tries to keep them off. So the DM is going to be the, the bad guys. So any, if you go into a dungeon and you got to clear the dungeon and fight bosses, and that's how you gain experience and level up your characters, get gold to buy new weapons or new armor, and all the different characters are going to have uh, – there's one, two, three six different like kind of main attributes strength uh self-explanatory constitution that's going to be like your health pool wisdom intelligence charisma and dexterity and depending on what your character is you're going to do more different stuff so like if i'm playing a fighter i want him to have extra strength than normal and extra constitution so he can do a lot of damage and take a lot of damage and the all the games are kind of the same in the fact that there's always some sort of issue or something you're trying to solve. It's usually some sort of secret sect that has plans of you know secret world domination sex? or something like that. Sect, S E C T. Okay. And so you're kind of like following clues, and you'll go and talk to uh, like the town mayor. So you will ask him questions, try and get information to 
kick the can down the line and, and solve this mystery or problem or whatever. And whenever you're talking to somebody like a mayor, uh, that's going to be the guy running the game, the DM. So he'll give you information to help you. And you got to ask the right questions. He's not going to be like, oh, yeah, go over there. That's the next thing to do. You got to ask some questions. You got to do some kind of detective work in order to do it. Mm, yes, detective work. So, all right, hold on. So with like everything you're saying as far as leveling up your players, finding stuff, clearing rooms, like all of this sounds like something you would do like on a normal video game or like on a computer, but you guys don't aren't using computers, right? Like you're not using it. You're all doing this in a room. Right, yeah. It's, so it's a tabletop you, RPG, so right, you so play it on a tabletop. All that. Yeah, thank you. You do it um, on a tabletop. So how the hell do you do any of what you just said so let's we'll, let's do like a combat scenario so instead of oh, uh, yes. computer programming figure out figuring out whether or not i hit this guy and how much damage i did we use a bunch of different dice and the most common side is a, a 20-sided die so in order to Lord. be hit or hit someone there's going to be the hit that enemy's armor class which is basically saying I have to get over this number of 20 in order to hit this guy. And then it's going to c- come back to me. Like I have modifiers for, from like my strength, my level of strength. If I'm using a melee weapon uh, between that, the proficiency you're with the weapon, you get modifiers on how well you hit something. So if I know I have to get 20, I roll a dice, I add my modifiers to it. And that tells me whether or not I hit him. So, like, say he has a an armor class of 20, so I have to get over 20. I roll a 12 on my 20-sided dice, but I have plus 10 to hit from my, like, strength modifier and weapons modifiers. So that's a 22. Okay. So I hit this guy. Yeah. So that, that means, okay, now I know I hit him. Now, depending on what weapon I have, that's how I'm going to figure out how much damage I do. And there's usually some modifiers to that. So if I have a weapon that deals 12 damage, I'll roll a 12-sided dice, whatever that number is, plus if there's any modifiers, that's the amount of damage I do to the enemy. And you got to do enough between your party in order to do it. Okay, so some of that, like, all right, that makes sense. So then, but then, like, so where are you getting all this information? Most of all. So your armor class, you have what's called a character sheet where you write down all of the attributes of your character and it has your modifiers on it. You get that information from rule books. So like for Pathfinder 2 is what we're playing the second edition. There's the core rule book and the advanced player's guide. There are two books that I'm looking at now that it's probably about 600 pages or so worth of information. What tells like what weapons do what um, what characters do what and how they can do it. So like a different character is going to be able to do different stuff. Like uh, my, we'll go back to the fighter because that's what I have the most experience playing. You can take something and do what's called power attack. Uh, that is going to be extra damage, but you get some negatives to hit and it takes two, two turns. You get three turns per round of combat. And you Good go Lord. in order. So, and then you determine the order by everyone has an initiative stat. 
So before combat, when combat starts, everybody rolls their dice, adds their initiative bonus to whatever they roll, and the highest highest goes first, so on and so forth. And that includes the enemy and the dungeon master rolling for the, the enemies. Okay, so... Good Lord. So when I... <laughs> so the the idea is the whole reason you're doing this and we're talking about this right now. So I'm going to come play at least one day with y'all. How many, like, so how long is this going to take? Like I the mean, whole campaign. Be- I know I'm not going to do a whole campaign, but what am I like? What, how much time is this for one campaign? Well, this one we're doing is just kind of, a, we're waiting for a different game to come in that we're going to play. So this is a short one. It's only going to be through like level four. So, and we only play usually once a month, so we do long sessions. So, it'll probably take like four sessions of probably six to eight hours a session. Okay. Um, but mm-hmm. like when we did a full campaign, we played, we try and play it, like I said, about once a month. And, you know, we played that for like two years. Good Lord. That is incredible. Yeah, it's really long. And like I said, it's, you know, you're playing, you can play eight, 10 hours. So when did you first uh, start playing this game, this kind of game, the tabletop RPG? Uh, probably about four years ago. We okay. did one game of Pathfinder, the original edition, and then we did Starfinder, which is the uh, same people that make Pathfinder, but it's more in a, a future world with uh, spaceships and kind of like Jedi weapons and stuff like that. So do you have like pictures and like cards and stuff that go with this, or do you just have to kind of imagine the whole thing, like the, what all this looks like? Um, no, you can get some guys do it like that, where it's all kind of imagination. And whenever you're like in the village or kind of doing your the detective side of the story, like pushing the storyline, not just fighting, that's all kind of imagination. Like where it's out of a book that the the DM gets that has like the written campaign that he goes off of. So in it, it'll be a description of what the town looks like, you know, kind of what this sets the stage in the setting, and it'll tell them how likely to help a guy is. Um, but you can also, if you have high charisma as a character, that means you're better at talking to people and getting them to help you or do what you want them to do by doing like a diplomacy check. So if I have high charisma, there's a skill called diplomacy and that is going to be high if I have high charisma. So I roll a D that D 20 dies. What you call it? The 20 sided die. Yeah. yeah. And if I roll high enough, that will like bump him up on like a friendly scale, I guess is kind of the best way to put it for, for you. And that allows us to, to get people to be more helpful in what we're trying to do. But on the for like combat, our DM we have a big like a rollout mat that's we write on with the dry erase markers. Yeah, that have a bunch of squares, and he has little miniatures that we put out. And that makes combat a lot easier because there's rules for like reach and line of sight and stuff like that. So you can draw out like the room you're fighting in. Okay. Because a lot for like spells and stuff, usually you have to have them in line of sight. So you got to be able to draw a straight line from like one corner of the square your character's on to the square to a corner of the square uh, or two corners of the square 
the the enemies on. Good so God. on the combat, you do have like miniatures out on the map, so where you can see stuff. Okay, so then you talked about so you have to build a character to make a character. Mm-hmm. Have you made my character yet? Uh, kind of. Kind well, of. My so your but it's your character. <laughs> then I'm gonna like basically sit in your lap and we're gonna play together. Yeah, we'll talk about the first thing that pops up. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be a fighter. Yes. So, like, they're big badasses in this game. Of course I am, yes. And I'm, it's going to be, a, we're going we're gonna to wield a big old two-handed axe that does a lot of damage. Oh, yeah. I like, I like, is it double-sided axe? Sure. It's a big yeah, battle axe. That's what Two-handed battle axe. Okay, so I'm going to do, and I'm going to come, I don't know, when are y'all playing the first, your first session? Uh, Saturday. I still need to talk to them about bringing you, but I don't think it'll be a big deal. Oh, you haven't even told them yet? No, I kind of forgot about it. Is this going to be like breaking the code? No, I don't think they'll give a shit. So or, how sorry, normal are these people? That out. They're normal. I You've met pretty much all of them. So is this something, like, do you guys tell people this, like, outside of your circle, or do you just kind of keep it to yourselves? Like, when you go on a date, is it, do you try to talk about this just to kind of feel it out, or? Um, no? I don't know. Uh, I guess I'll tell people if it kind of comes up. I don't just, like, walk in, sit down, order a drink, and say, hey, I play a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, yeah, see, I think you should. I think that's, I think that's the move. No, I mean, I genuinely tell people it's one of my hobbies. And if you start asking me about hobbies, or like if I'm if they're wanting to do something on a Saturday that I'm playing this, I'll be like, I can. I'm doing this. Like it's not like I don't hide it by any means. Right. Well, because it's super nerdy, or it's like whatever, and it's got that that um, stigma to it because it's called dungeon. I mean, like, well, everybody knows Dungeons and Dragons, and everybody thinks of Dungeons and Dragons like super nerds or blah blah blah. But it's super fascinating, and I think it's incredible how, like, insanely detailed and, like, just the, all the different possibilities, all the different stuff that's in it. It's, it's That's what fascinates me, and I really do think it sounds really cool, and I'm not, you know, we've talked about this before. You know what, like, this isn't, you're, this isn't the first time you're hearing this, but it's it's something that I'm, I'm interested in just because out of sheer curiosity and then just in. I'm impressed at how like insanely in depth it is. So I'm pretty excited about it. I don't think I could, I don't know that I could sit down and do like a board game like this for 12 hours, <laughs> eight or 10 hours. Like I just don't think I'm, a God did not make me with that ability to sit down to really do anything for eight, 12 straight hours. Um, unless it's an incredible amount of like physical movement. Um, but dude, I'm pretty pumped. Like I think this is gonna be, I think it's going to be kind of fun. It's a lot of fun, man. And honestly, so kind of going back to your stigma point, there definitely is a little bit of one in nerds, but it also depends on your group. You know, there's some like mega nerds out there that will dress up and do voices and crap like that. And like really get into like the role playing aspects of living their characters. We don't do that. Um, Although I'm not going to lie, if y'all did, I would, I would think I would have to secretly, record it like the whole thing i i wouldn't blame you i wouldn't play if they did that Uh, (laughs) i would love uh, to see you like casting spells and dancing around the 
the room <laughs> like a cloak. You know, we just and part of like when we play these long times, it's not like we're playing straight. We get distracted. You know, we're getting together, we're drinking a bunch of beer and stuff, just kind of hanging out for a, a long time uh, with with your buddies. Uh, right. So it's you know, um, and I my characters I basically just make them myself, so I don't have to to worry about remaining or being a character. I just play him how how I just whatever i feel like because it's i just kind of make it me yeah because you have like alignments so there's like uh chaotic good and chaotic neutral and lawful good so like you're lawful good you're going to do everything to the letter of the law and always try and like do well by people so i always play characters that are chaotic neutral because that just basically means that they're just going to do whatever's best for them which I think is, is so the best a, way to go about like stuff. a selfish asshole. Yeah, it doesn't limit it doesn't limit me in any way. I can do whatever the hell I want. Uh, yeah. I don't always have to do the evil thing. I don't always have to do the good thing. I can just, you know, did you ever play Fable? I did. Yeah, yeah. So you know, in Fable, you have like that sliding scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you'd be like, you grow double horns if you did a bunch of so like if you're like chaotic evil. You're gonna do everything in like Fable, where you turn that that sliding scale all the way to the left and grow your horns out. Where if you're lawful good, you're gonna do everything good and and get like the little halo and go all the way to the right. Right. Yeah, I always, where, went, to, I always went all the way to the right. I'm sure you did. Yeah, it was Captain America. But yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot to go on, and it's uh. A lot of rules and math uh, that I luckily my buddy that runs the games has been playing this ever since he was a kid, so he he knows a lot of that stuff kind of just off the top of his head. But it's kind of a lot to I'm trying to give broad strokes to kind of give you the general idea of how the game works without getting too far in the minutia where everybody just gets confused. Yeah, I mean I'm already confused, so I think it's going to be great, and I don't think that I mean I don't think you can do broad enough like. It's just so in depth. There's so much stuff, which essentially it's funny that you know with the stigma stuff, if you to make fun of it or poke fun of it, like it's basically the same thing. It's like just like you said, fable or anything like it's a video game, except it's all in books instead of like compressed down into like a digital form where you can watch it and see it. Um, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just like we laugh and I can make fun. Oh, I couldn't do that for days, but then me and you have played Halo for like twelve straight hours before. And okay. Call of Duty and all those others. So, I don't know. It's interesting. All right. Well, we're out well, of I mean, time. It's, okay. Yeah. I mean, the the first adventure games were usually just Dungeons and Dragons players that got into computer science in the '80s and made the games. So, like, it, it's really just kind of the forerunner for any of the adventure games. Yeah. Video yeah, yeah. games. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's pretty cool. That's cool. All right. So. Uh, I'm going to see if I can hopefully play next Saturday, uh, especially before my kids like sports and everything starts kicking off. So then I'll be around. So hopefully I'll be doing this next Saturday. You need to talk to your friends so I don't show up. I mean, you don't have to, but I'm coming. So we'll just see how it goes. I'll text him. I forgot about, I was going to talk to him when we played video games, but my internet's been down. So I never had the chance. Yeah, that's true. All right, cool. All right, Brian. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate your time. Yeah, man, no problem. Take it easy. All right, man. Bye.
right, there he goes. There he goes. All right, guys. So I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be attacking that next week. Uh, see how that goes. Make some notes, and then we'll probably come back and talk about it uh, on the next episode. Just kind of my experience. So uh, uh, my time is up. Take care, guys. Have a good week. All right. End it. Drop it. Send it. This has been the Beyond Our Service podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, review, tell your friends all about us. This show can be found everywhere major podcasts are available. And if you'd like to reach out, please head over to beyondourservice.com and let us know what you think or find out how you can be a part of the show. See you next time.